Welcome to a new episode of Four Point Stance, Women's Tackle Football Talk on Twitter, iHeartRadio, Yelfi, YouTube, Anchor, Apple Podcasts, Breaker, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Radio Public, Mixcloud, Overcast, Pocket Cast, Stitcher, TuneIn, and on Facebook. <laughs> Half the internet, I swear. If you want links to any of those locations, you can go to my Twitter feed for the show, the number four, underscore PT, underscore stance, or W34VI1, Weevil, which is me. Um, You can also go to Weevil Productions on Facebook and get the show from there. Or you can search Four Point Stance, all written out, on YouTube. I can find the show from there. Um, Anchor.fm slash the number four PT stance is also a good place to get to a large majority of these links. Otherwise, just get a hold of me and I'll get them to you, which will be no big deal. And as a reminder, the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline available 24-7. They're there to help you. 1-800-273-8255. And the Trans Lifeline also available any time of day, any time of the year. Canadian number is 877-330-6366, and the U.S. number is 877-565-8860. So, obviously, still another slow week for the most part. Kind of on the official category, it's a slow week. Um, I definitely got something brewing that... Let's just say that when I can release it, it's going to be an interesting thing. Um, be prepared. There will be a special episode coming out. I'm not entirely sure when, but uh, definitely got something big brewing kind of in the wings of it all. But, uh, you know, nothing like that little bit of uh, hard anticipation. Kicking it right off with the women's football news. Um, On Sunday, the Tennessee Titans took on Kansas City Chiefs. That was actually a really good game because that was Patrick Mahomes coming back from his knee injury. Um, And yeah, it was a really good game. But directly afterwards, there was theoretically six teams that were going to be playing. I only have information on four of them. And obviously, everybody knows the reason for that. But, uh, as you can see for those watching, I do have the poster that shows the WFA teams with their images. You know, Knoxville Lightning versus Columbus Vanguards and the Music City Misfits versus the Derby City Dynamite. From what I have noticed, Knoxville was the only one that actually took some video of the event. Everyone else kind of had pictures, but, uh, I do have some photos of the teams coming together, you know, to show their solidarity. Um, But beyond that, I mean, I don't know anything more from that. I kind of forgot it was happening, mainly because that I was busy, (laughs) you know. (laughs) Sorry, I was busy. Um, But it sounded like it was a really good event didn't really look like anybody stayed around, which is kind of frustrating. Yeah, that's cool. You get to 
do it in a NFL stadium, but there looked like there was really nobody in the stands sticking around. So, uh, you know, definitely something that needs to be addressed for the future. And in other women's tackle football news that I have, yesterday morning the WNFC announced this, I guess, crowdfunding thing from ifundwomen.com, which is supposed to help uh, female entrepreneurs um, to help crowdfund for their own stuff. Um, This does bring some questions, especially considering that Maybe with the whole legal issues with Saywall and, you know, just kind of the overall questions that I, I, you know, I personally have, but I know several others have of the league, um, how this is going to be applied, it'll be interesting. Um, when I last checked, it only had about a thousand dollars. Which is not bad for 24 hours, or, well, actually 26 hours at the time of this recording. But, um, it still obviously has a long way to go. One of the key things that they were saying for this I Fund Women is it, you know, empower for female empowerment. And my thing is, is this group going to, you know... Can this be something that the other leagues get involved in and crowdfund for themselves, other teams, or is this only a WNFC thing? I don't really want to get any more detail than that, but uh, that is something to look out for. We'll see how that pays attention. Um, You know, my whole thing is with this new channel that they're using, it would be nice if the WNFC would actually like post information on how to get it, where it's like streaming devices, if it's available and stuff like that. Um, I mean, initially the talks were, I'm sorry, last year they were talking about having their own channel that they ran, you know, their own private channel, not using somebody else. But anyway, I, yeah, uh, it's not really something I want to go into detail with because I got bigger fish to fry today. And to be honest, I frankly don't give a fuck anymore. Um, <laughs> it's just, you know, this is just content. And whatever your off-season, whatever. Um, I just want to actually see true empowerment go forward. And uh, this is one of the ways to do it. Cool. If not, then we'll see how it plays out. is advised. So, Real Brew has kind of a couple things. Um, definitely a couple things that have kind of been getting on me, but because of what's going on, like right now I have in the background the impeachment hearings going on, and I'm going to tell you right now, those are exhausting. I only, I'm watching them because, you know, I left work and they started. And when you work in the news industry, it's something you pay attention to. But uh, I kind of thought this is a great opportunity to talk about, because the word keeps coming up, quid pro quo, it is something that's going to be used. It's going to be like the, I guess you could say, 
keyword and everything. And it will fit. Believe it or not, this does fit into women's tackle football. According to Cornell Law School, I know, granted, this could have been in the legal sec segment, but why do the legal segment for just this? Um, you know, this is just a general, like, little side real brew note. But according to Cornell Law School, for the Legal Information Institute, quid pro quo literally is Latin for something for something. An exchange of acts or things for an approximate equal value. So when somebody wants to say, you know, it's not a quid pro quo, but I need you to do this in order to get this, that is kind of a oxymoron in the fact of it literally doing, you know, this for that. And that's just kind of something that, you know, in general, I know that right now, that since that's the hot word on um, all this stuff going on, and uh, I just thought I'd throw that out there at least to get that out. Um, and I think for a lot of people, that just general knowledge, you know, I'm imagining that, you know, the more you know star flying around the screen. I, I'm not going to do it because it's a copyright issue I don't want to deal with, but, you know, that whole thing. But it was just kind of something that, with everything that's been going on lately, I just thought I'd throw that out there because even in the law stuff that I've been covering, there's some interesting stuff, and quid pro quos do play quite a role. It is quite an important piece that plays a role in a lot of stuff. You know, like, for the, the next topic that I was going to talk about was the Kaepernick situation. That is truly a quid pro quo on its own in the sense of, in order for Kaepernick technically to get back in, he was to stop kneeling. And that, you know, the NFL wants something for something else. And it's been very interesting how yesterday the NFL released tweets, various tweets, that kind of changed in the matter of a couple minutes. Where it was like, oh, you know, we invited Kaepernick to Atlanta to do like a combine of sorts and all 32 teams are welcome to apply. And then it changed and said, no, Kaepernick's host running it and all 32 teams are included. Kaepernick pro posts on his own stuff that, you know, he's going to be holding it. And then from there, it just has like really taken off. So... Ian Rappaport had a tweet that said that with the workout, in part, the response to the teams calling the NFL and saying they wanted to work out Kaepernick, you know, for a look of next season as opposed to right away, kind of brings up a question. And I agree with Pro Football Talk, which is NBC's sports' little side thing. said, the mere fact that teams are calling the league office about possible Kaepernick workouts without just bringing him in for a workout confirms that the teams are still deferring to, what the, to the league on this issue. And that is collusion. That really is. That is the essence of Kaepernick's grievance. And I'm next episode, I will read for football law. I will literally read you Kaepernick's grievance word for word. I know I've done it a long time ago, but I'm going to bring it back because I think it's an important piece. That, remember, it was settled out of court, and it would be interesting to see, you know, from there, what the actual settlement was. You know, Jamel Hill hit it on the head when she said, the NFL isn't so slick. 
If it's true that Kaepernick is, uh, has to fall into line to get a job, then that's not a real opportunity. That also proves that there's an umpteenth time that uh, for the umpteenth time that he's being out of the league was never about football. And that's exactly what I'm saying on this. I know many of you want to say, well, he's not that good. You know what? When I do the football and law, when I go into Real Brew, I'll have up his stats and compare it to quarterbacks that played in the same time that he played. I'll compare it. You know, and he still fit within the middle. I'll get his records if I have to from, you know, the record books of that time. It really is a farce to the people want to push to the side and say, oh, hey, you know, he's not good enough. No, you just don't want to accept the fact that maybe he called out something that made you uncomfortable. And again, and I'm going to keep saying this, and I know that's why people hate me. I'll keep saying this. He was protesting against police brutality. Not protesting against a flag, not protesting against veterans. That's a farce. That's a total farce. He was protesting against police brutality and asking for equal rights for people of color. And if you can't accept that, don't let the door hit you on the ass on the way out of my show. My other little pet peeve that I've had lately is, and I mentioned this on Twitter on Sunday, there is a definite difference between women's tackle football and men's tackle football. And it comes down to the simple fact of childcare. You know, women are expected to be caring, nurturing, and always expected to be, you know, putting their children first. So, I can't tell you how many times I've heard players say, oh, I'd like to do this, but I can't get a babysitter for my kids. Or, oh, I'd like to do this, but, you know, it's difficult because I'm a stay-at-home mom. You know, this isn't... Stuff always has to do with their families. I don't hear the same excuse coming from men. And having personally seen it, not, well, over the years, but personally having to see it over the weekend, and seeing a group of men forget that they had children. You know, watching a kid who was maybe middle school age, maybe, maybe fifth grade, you know, sixth grade-ish, you know, being, he was being good, you know, listening to his headphones, playing on the phone. His mom shows up, takes him. Dad doesn't even realize anything. Now, granted, yes, the mom should have said, oh, hey, I'm taking the son. But she could have, and Dad didn't pay attention. So when the team broke out of their huddle and Dad's coming to get water, he can't find his son, and he's panicking. But instead of listening to people who might have actually seen what had happened, they automatically jump to the conclusion that the son ran away. And then start panicking, and then start having a fit, but then all of a sudden realizing they all have children. And again, instead of asking somebody who was there, who saw the whole thing, they just jump to conclusions. But it goes to my second point. Women who are helping, and I mean women who are on women's tackle football teams, they may be sharing a field with a men's tackle football team. The women there, and that includes coaches, general managers, and players, are not there to be fucking babysitters for the men. I don't mind having to watch somebody's kid if I agree to it. Having to watch somebody's kid because they're, you know, 
so young that they can't even take care of themselves and it's cold is not my idea of acceptance, especially if I'm not, you know, wasn't really... It wasn't my fucking job. You know, men want to live out their glory days, but women have to take care of the kids. And I think that's the kind of shit that's got to stop in football. We don't expect men to put their lives on hold for their kids, but we expect women to put their lives on hold. And that's the piece that's really pissed me off. Because if men's teams think that they can piggyback off of women's teams and either, well, one, either steal their content or just, you know, use them, abuse them for the sake of their own profit. Oh, you know, oh, we're the Knights of China Armor. We're coming here to protect the women, blah, blah. No, that's bullshit. I want to actually see an equal group. If you are there to support the women's team, especially if they're there to share the field, if the coaching staff says, oh, hey, you know, we're here. If you need us, let us know. That's your opportunity to fucking use that crew. Don't just say, oh, they're just women. And push them to the side. Ignore them. and Don't even, like, include them in any of your drills, your workouts, nothing. What is the real, the point? Is masculinity so fucking fragile that it can't accept the fact that women play the sport too? And that's what I felt like this weekend. Now granted, I'm not saying names, but these parties do know who, this party should know who I'm talking about. Because there was only one group I was around outside of a key group here. You know, like, the only men's group I was around this whole weekend. So, if it gets back to them, I... Sure, you guys can talk to me and I'll tell you the exact fucking thing in detail. But I'm going to tell you right now, for future consideration, every women's team that has a men's team come to them need to think twice and ask themselves, am I actually being looked into for being a tackle football player? Or am I being looked at because I just happen to be a woman and they need somebody to watch their kids, somebody to show off for, you know, them to think that they're more macho when... A lot of them are just using fucking high school rules. For once, the women on the field actually were playing at a higher level than the men. And I don't think men can handle that. Because they sure as hell proved it to me over the weekend. They've proven it to me when I've coached. They've proven it to me when I've worked in media. And they sure as fuck have proven it to me, you know, amongst football teams. They're all hot to trot to piggyback off of everything, but when it comes to them having to do something that benefits the women's team, oh, nope, sorry, can't do it. That shit's gotta stop. That shit's really gotta stop. Because I'll tell you right now, I've already told the ownership, no. And I don't care if this gets back to them, because I've already told the ownership on this, and I'm gonna be brutally honest. If that group wants to say, oh, come to practice again, I'm gonna tell them no. Not unless you got somebody to take care of your own fucking kids, because it ain't my job. If you can't take care of your kids, why are you in this sport? It's the same thing you tell women. So men, you need to step it up. Taking care of your kids, trying to live out your glory days, is not our responsibility. It's yours. You need to remember that you're a parent, too. You need to remember what's going on. You know, I know that every women's tackle football player that is a parent can probably tell you at any given time, practice, games, whatever, 
what the child's doing, where the child's at, more or less, what their child's eating, and where the hell, you know, their child is located, or, you know, where their coat's gonna be, where, various things. They know this. Even players that don't have kids know where their teammates' kids are. Why? Because we all keep an eye on that. Men couldn't tell you shit about where the fuck their kids are. And I've seen that firsthand. And that, to me, is unacceptable. It's unacceptable in football in general, but it's definitely unacceptable when men's teams are trying to partner with women's teams and showing the same sexist bullshit that we've been trying to get away from all these years. And I'm sure some of you are like, damn, calm down, you're being emotional. Fuck you! This bitch is gonna say what's on her fucking mind. And if you don't like it, I've said it before, don't let the door hit your, uh, your ass on the way out. Because I'm gonna tell you right now, that is not un that's not acceptable to me to play the sexist bullshit in general. You know, we want women to be strong, but we won't accept them being strong. You know, we, we'll go through and tell them, oh, well, you know, we want women to be independent, but not too independent. You know, we want women to be strong and uh, voice their opinions, but not too much, especially if it hurts a man's ego. I've been saying for a long time, the most fragile element in the entire universe is masculinity. And I will argue any day with a man over that. Because, as many people have said, it's pretty funny that when a woman actually happens to know maybe something about a certain sport, or sports in general, suddenly their, quote, femininity is put into question. What the hell's that got to do with a damn thing? That doesn't have anything to do with this. The most knowledgeable person in the room may be the one you least expect. If it happens to be the little cutesy blonde-haired chick in the corner, and she happens to know more about football than you do, man up, accept the defeat, and listen to what she has to say. You might learn something. If it happens to be the one woman, or the non-binary individual, or the, oh my god, the trans person, you know, might be a trans woman, might be a trans man that might know some more shit about something you don't know. Accept the defeat, learn something, make yourself a better person. And I wish a lot of people would take that in consideration. Because I'm going to tell you right now, as somebody who has had to see this over and over and over again, it's ridiculous. I've had to live it. I still have to live it. And frankly, it pisses me off, obviously. Because I find it to be total bullshit that even as we approach 2020, we still gotta have this talk. We still gotta have this talk. Yet, no. We just wanna play it off as a one-off. Yeah, bullshit. It's not a one-off. What it comes down to is people think that, you know, they own domains. I'm gonna tell you right now, gentlemen, women have been playing football a lot longer than you give credit for. But that puts me to my next point about history, or her story, if we want to, like, really be technical of how we've been putting it, you know, her story, um, spelling it H-E-R, 
there's two ways to go around this. I issued out a social media challenge that has not really gone very far. Shocker there. About football achievements. Doesn't matter if it's a personal, official, or just in general. I want to know what this is about. I want to get our women's staff of football history recorded. Good, bad, or ugly. Because I'm going to tell you right now, if I told you everything that happened in my career, there's some teams that would be pissed. There's some people that would hate me even more. And, uh... There would be some bridges burning. And... But there's been some fun. But there's been a lot of shit, too. But it still doesn't mean it isn't part of history. You know, good, bad, or ugly, we need it written down. NFL has their history, good, bad, and ugly, written down. We just happen to be li living a really bad, ugly side of it right now. But, you know, they still have it all written down. They're not picking and choosing what they want to accept. They acknowledge that they were, you know, they segregated a long time ago. They acknowledge that. Was it, a, was it right? No. And you can ask Chicago. Chicago's owner, she said at one point, you know, when this team started, we were, we were, we didn't allow black players. And that is the biggest mistake our family could have ever made. You know, she acknowledged it. And teams respected her for that. So maybe we need to acknowledge even the dark side of our sport, even all the bullshit that we dredge up, but we still need to record it. None of this Wikipedia bullshit, it needs to come out just in general. You know, Wikipedia is only as accurate as people make it. Nobody fills it out, how do we know it's accurate? Well, at the same time, you gotta fill it out so people know and actually cite your sources. Now granted, there are some things that you might not be able to cite. I get that. But, writing it down doesn't mean that it isn't important. Write an essay, write, you know, a small blurb online. It doesn't matter. Write it down. Write it down. And I, I seriously am challenging every single team, even the ones I don't cover. I challenge them, write down your history, good, bad, and ugly. Because we need to have an active timeline. We want to be taken serious, we've got to take it serious. So that means we have got to sit down and write down, not just the fact that we played from, you know, as I my example was, I played from 2010 to 2016 and 2019. Granted, I made that correction later. 2019. Four teams in total. Technically, my first team ne did not make it past two months. Corvallis Pride. Because they folded because of a... Of a... Um, of an issue with the roller derby team in Corvallis. Who was made of former players. Fell apart within two months. Had to go to Portland to play for the Portland Shockwave. Because they were willing to take some of us on. Played there for six years. Then did... When uh, Portland Fighting Phillies and the Portland Shockwave combined did Portland Fighting Shockwave for the, its inaugural year. Then I retired, technically, after I did Women's World Games 4 and the Team USA 3 tryouts. But then came out of retirement last year for the Oregon Hawks. Now I'm back in retirement. Because of, you know, my back injury from 2014. From a game. Um... You know, I worked in NFL films. I, I've worked in college football. You know, I, I've 
you know, various things that I've done, this podcast, you know, it's all part of this history. And I think if more people took the time to write down their own from their perspective and what they have is solid, you know, just anything, we can piece it together and make it happen. Even, believe it or not, even with the WNFC situation, you know, Saywalt being sued by the government and, you know, Odessa being sued by the Dallas elite for the whole Texas versus Dallas stuff, that's still part of our history. Hell, even the San Diego Surge suing the WFA is part of our history. You know, just as much as Minnesota Vixen being found guilty of discriminating against a trans woman in the state of Minnesota being the first of its kind in business in that state. You know, that kind of stuff is still history. It's ugly, but it is still history. So I challenge every single player in this sport, every single coach. Granted, I'm going to the women's side of it, but I am challenging every single one of you to write it down. Whether you share it for yourself, share it amongst your team, or publicly, doesn't matter. Write it down. We can't complain about how we don't have a proper history and not do it ourselves. You know, that's one of the biggest things we do. We bitch about how we don't have the coverage, but we won't refuse to cover it. We refuse to put it down for, to be covered. So, I'm issuing that challenge. As a media professional, I'm issuing that challenge. I'm actually working on an extensive essay right now. Right now, it's about... 80 pages, covering my entire career in football, the whole decade. And I'll tell you right now, as I've said before, some people are not going to be happy with what I have to say, because it is from my perspective. It is highlighting some of the emotional abuse I had to deal with in this sport. Some of the backstabbing I had to deal with in this sport. Some of the darkest, deepest, is bullshit I've had to deal with in football overall. But I'll tell you right now, it's still part of the history. Like it or not, it's still part of the history. Because if we only covered the good things that we wanted, how are we any different than a history book that certain states are trying to implement? We're not. We're not going to whitewash this. We're not going to colonize her this. We are actually going to have a collective good, bad, ugly, everything kind of anthology we need it why because when we look back you know 40 years from now about this moment in time what was women's tackle football it was nothing but a clusterfuck of one-upping that's what this chapter should be titled the clusterfuck of one-ups because that's all we see that is all we're seeing is league after league forming to one-up each other and nobody's sitting back and going, hey, hold up. Why are we doing this? You know, if we just eliminated this problem, you know, 10 years ago, we could have stopped this. So I'm hoping that, you know, by the start of 2030, actually, I would hope by the start of 2021, but the start of 2030, we're not sitting there going, oh my God, another decade of bullshit. You know, let's move on. And I want this challenge of what's your football achievements to actually go forward. Now granted, I know I don't have a lot of followers, I know I don't have a lot of people that like me, but this ain't about me. I just happened to take the step. This ain't about me. This is about the sport. 
the sport of football. It doesn't matter if a woman has, you know, this can go to the men's side, and especially for women that have worked in the men's football world. Obviously, because, hell, I've got two occasions for sure that, you know, I, that's how I got in the men's side of it. I'll tell you right now, we need to have it written down because as Coach Lowe pretty much said, the media frenzy in 2015 with, you know, with Dr. Welter, but um, it had one thing. But the other women that were already in the ranks are in their spots without any hype. They should be part of every conversation. We owe it to all of the history. All. Good, bad, or ugly. So on that note, that's what I'm leaving you on. I want every single one of you that follows this show, send me a message through, actually, preferably send me a message through, um, through Twitter, the number four underscore PT underscore stance, and, uh, blur out your name, I'll blur out your name if you want me to, and stuff like that. Send me your stuff. I want to get this together. I want to collect this. I want it to be something that everyone gets to see. Don't be afraid to post your history. Don't be afraid to step up and say, hey, here's what I've had to deal with. Here's what I've seen. Here's the goods, the bads. Here's the shit. Here's the, you know. I'm telling you right now, I've seen some shit and I've dealt with some shit in my career. But that doesn't mean it's still isn't part of our history. Because I think people need to know the truth about everything. It's what I built the show on, and that's what I built my life on. Is being truthful. Like it or not.